All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of In the Fire. We are very excited uh, for this week, aren't we, guys? How are you guys doing? I'm excited, as you said. <laughs> I am also excited. I, I like the topic you picked up for this week. So Big do man. I. Mm-hmm. And for those of you wondering what that topic is, mm-hmm. it is the power, importance, and purpose of our words. Um, to start us off, I have a quick little fact sheet to read off of. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Bible has 750,000 words in it compared to some of the other popular books or authors in our world history. William Shakespeare has 960,000, Harry Potter over 1 million, and John Piper's forthcoming collected works, 3 million words. So the Bible, the most important text in history, has less than all of those, but it has probably the most powerful words of all of them either. Um, So I think that's uh, a telling uh, or a foreshadowing of how we can use our words in, um, I don't know, in, in an efficient, effective way without being, uh, or still being, having, you know, and for them to still be powerful. That's what I'm trying to get across. But yeah. <laughs> so again, we're focusing on words and how we should speak, how we should use our speech and the importance of it. Um, so without further ado, um, first thing I want to look at is that speech reveals the heart. Um, so we'll go through, like, we'll read through a couple main passages in this uh, episode, but there's also several other verses that I'll just sort of pull from the Bible and read out. Uh, the first one is from Luke, Luke six forty three through 45, which says, For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So I thought that was important, a few verses there. Um, It's telling that, you know, sort of when we speak, the words we use, sort of tells or reveals where our heart is at. Um, yeah, what do you guys think of those first initial verses there? I like those. Um, for me, the first time I read through it, I read the start. Um, and for those of you who don't know how we do this, one of us puts together a little outline for the week, and then the other two um, will follow along. So Peter put together this outline, and this is the first passage of scripture on there and I knew the topic and then I saw the scripture and I started reading and I thought hmm, I can see what this has to do with words but it seems to be pointing towards like actions you know fruit has actions but then I got to the very last verse the very end for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks and it kind of all builds up to that um, which I thought was pretty interesting it, it I think that points out the importance of words here and the importance of the words that we use. Uh, my Bible actually in a footnote says actions, not words indicate where one's heart is to me. I don't, I don't know if I agree with <laughs> my footnote there. Cause <laughs> I think both do. And I think that's what this, that's what these three verses are getting at. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely agree with those points there. Actions, yeah, actions definitely reveal where the heart is, but I also think words do as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I completely agree with what Justin just said. It's a good word, but I I really also like the the back half of forty five for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks, just because if it's like he's speaking about the abundance that he has on earth, which is all going to go away in the end and so like his heart is focused on the things of the world his heart is focused on things that are going to perish instead of the things that are eternal and the things that are not going to perish Hmm, i like that his heart is for the world not god 
this kind of reminds me um, this passage in Kung Fu Panda um, when Ugwe is <laughs> uh, talking with Master Shifu. And if you plant a peach tree, you're going to get a peach. You might want an apple or an orange, but you're going to get a peach. <laughs> so if we're a peach tree. We're going to put out peaches in our actions, in our words. Um, if we're an apple tree, you, know, you can put out apples, but um, a, an apple, a peach tree will not put out apples just as someone with evil in his heart will not put out good to the world around. <laughs> yes. Yes. And to continue that a little bit more, if we are a peach tree, we shouldn't try and be an orange tree. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of wisdom to be had from <laughs> Kung Fu Panda. Always the best. This is not the first time we've talked about it. <laughs> and it won't be the last. <laughs> <laughs> we can guarantee that. <laughs> All right. So the next verse I want to pull out is James 3 verse 5. Um, I'm pulling it up now. I'll just read the first five verses of James 3. All right. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Um, so, yeah, I think that shows that. Um, I mean, I like the verse... Uh, right before it also look at ships although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds they are turned mm -hmm. by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires so if we think of our tongue as sort of that small rudder um, and it's being moved or spoken however the pilot desires that sort of shows you know where our the, the, the bigger picture of where our heart is where our ship um, is like how our ship travels I guess which is I guess our heart um so yeah, I thought that was another good verse that spoke to the importance of speech revealing the condition of the heart. Yeah, I agree. I, I James, as usual, is very straightforward with what he's saying here, and he's you know a little confrontational, but in a good way. Um, mm -hmm. And he's he's challenging, I think, is what it is. And I do like the analogies he uses. And actually, if you read on a little bit past verse five, there, I do like the next analogy. Um, which says, see how great a forest, a little fire kindles. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles a whole body. Um, almost like the idea of burning down a whole forest with a little spark. <laughs> That's what the tongue can do. And then verse 7 says, for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is full of deadly poison. So it really makes you think about the things that you say. And I actually do like that we're doing this because the pastor at the church we go to here, at least virtually at the moment, <laughs> uh, gave a whole sermon series on, on this and gave a sermon specifically on James 3, maybe a month ago. Um, so I enjoyed that. And I, it's interesting to look at. Yeah, James 3 really is a great passage. Um, and I do really like these these metaphors about the tongue and its role in um, the greater, uh, like, I guess, just how it connects overall to the body and its, its important power that it has, even for being just such a very small body part. Yeah. True. I mean, the tongue is how we communicate with one another. And... If our tongue isn't honoring God, then we are for sure not honoring God. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Something I noted here, um, a connection to Philippians 2, 12 through 18. Um, I won't read all of it, but I'll focus in on the middle part. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. And I'll go into 15, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Um, I, I 
love that because I mean, do not grumble. And when you don't grumble and you don't use your tongue to complain, then you are using your tongue or maybe not specifically in a way, but like if you can hold yourself back from complaining a bunch, you're not like, hang on. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) If you're not complaining, you are honoring God. And when you're honoring God and following his spirit, you can become an innocent, blameless child of God. Uh, that's That's a way where you can hold your tongue, not grumble, and honor God all at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, at its core, I think, you know, the words that we do use to provide, as these verses I've seen, as we just talked about, a temperature check of our hearts. Um, and I also think, you know, oftentimes when we get into bad habits of, you know, being rude to one another, being irked with our speech, swearing, et cetera, whatever it may be, not only does it indicate that our hearts aren't fully committed to loving God, but I also think it also may show that we not fully trust God or that we have insecurities in our own lives. I know like when I'm in a bad mood or something, uh, when I, whether I'm stressed out about uh, a certain circumstance in my life or whatever, then that sort of comes through with, you know, my speech and how I treat one and treat other people. Um, and so I think from what I've learned in my life is that when I, you know, really learn to trust God and understand that I'm fully known and loved by him and that I'm made in his image and he has a, a purpose for my life um, that I can find and that when I can find satisfaction in that and trust that, then that just instantly provides a better mood and the, those insecurities are sort of washed away and then that sort of carries through into my speech and um, just how I treat others. Mm. Nice. Yeah. To kind of go off of that, whenever I'm like kind of like straying from, from God a little bit, and you know that happens sometimes because you can't always be close to God. But I, the first thing I normally try to do when like – I'm trying to get back right with God. First, I repent. Second, I watch my mouth. And like I I start making more actively conscious decisions to listen more and to use my words in a way that uplifts people and shows them the love of Christ instead of like uplifting myself too. Uh, because you can use your words you know, not necessarily to tear other people down, but I guess to, to push your push your own self up, and it's and it comes from a place of pride too of that. Um, so it's a little bit of like humbling yourself, being like, I don't need to talk here, I don't need to add, but I can listen, and I can support. Yeah, well, I think well that's said. great. It's yeah, it's a good step to take to try to get things back on course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the end, we're not perfect. You know, we will slip up. We're not always going to be in the right mood at all times. We will let our insecurities and frustrations um, uh, reveal themselves through how we speak. Um, But yet, I think the more mindful and humble and repentant we are of uh, these issues that are causing our our bad speech or how we treat others through our words, I think the easier it is for our hearts to be transformed into a better state. Um, And so Thomas... Like you mentioned, just that comment previously, so I just want to build on that a little bit. And point two in that speech is a testimony of our faith. Um, So I truly believe that people take notice of the words that we use, um, especially, you know, in context of how the world usually uses speech. You know, when we do not swear, slander, or gossip, I think we set ourselves apart from... uh, the poor quality of speech that is often used in the world. And I think that is um, a way that can attract attention uh, where people will look at you and say, Oh, why don't you, why don't you swear? Or why don't you say these things? You know, other people are saying, Um, 
And I think that can provide an opportunity to discuss our beliefs further when we do attract that sort of attention that differentiates ourselves. Yeah. And I think another thing that you mentioned, like swearing and all of that, and people take notice of that and it can be a negative testimony to your faith, but there's also Thomas brought up the idea of complaining earlier. Um, And I completely agree with that. I think one way that everyone often uses words is to complain. Uh, And, and, there's a reason because it's it's very easy to want to complain about things. Not everything is going to go your way. In fact, a lot of things aren't. A lot of things aren't in our control, and it's easy to complain about those. Um, easy to complain about actions of other people. But it's a I think it's the main way people use their speech in this negative way. Um, and really, it shows that it shows that our speech comes from a point of of pride sometimes. And that if you're complaining, you're thinking that you're the center of the universe. <laughs> you're thinking that you're the center of the world, which is certainly, which is just not true. Um, and that's, that's essentially the reason why we complain, I think, but it also, it accomplishes nothing. When has it ever accomplished anything? It makes you look bad, makes you feel bad. It makes everyone around you feel bad because like, what good can it ever do to complain about something? it really can't do any good. It can't build anything up. It can't encourage anyone. It really doesn't make a good difference in any way, even if it, something changes because of it. Um, but it makes everyone feel bad. It uh, shows huge pride. And, you know, we're all guilty of it. I do it <laughs> several times a day. There's, there's no stopping it. Um, but I think with some effort, it's something that is not terribly difficult to to control and you know and holding your tongue is something you've got to constantly think about and try and and work towards but it's difficult yeah i think it's definitely something you have to be mindful of but i mean you talk about um like how complaining doesn't do any good to anything or anything (laughs) yet we are so good at complaining (laughs) um (laughs) so true it's pretty funny i think about like it's does it ever accomplish anything for the complainer? No. <laughs> no. What's the it point? Doesn't. <laughs> yeah. So just being mindful of that um, is a great start. I'm thinking of like all the times I'm just driving on the road and um, like Justin, you mentioned complaining is sort of like uh, a sign of selfishness, thinking you're better than uh, like you deserve better than other people or deserve better than how you're being treated right now. Um, so like when you, when I'm driving on the road and I get, uh, mad at other drivers, I think that often is a sign that I, I think my time is more valuable than theirs. Uh, so I need to get to my place sooner and they need to help me do that, um, by driving better. <laughs> and so, you know, a lot of my frustrations come through when I'm just driving on the road and getting mad at other people who are driving slow or bad or aren't paying attention. Um, so that's just one of many examples of complaining that happens in my own life. And I'm sure mm. most other people's as well. I think that's a common one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can, I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, to go back a little bit earlier, um, back to the, to using our words to glorify God and like, and the, and the not swearing and going away from the poor quality of speech. Um, it's definitely like, a mindset we need to have, right? Um, and like, we need to have the mindset, or here, sorry, you know, Philippians 3.20 says our citizenship is in heaven. Um, and that's where we look to. And that, that's the mindset we need to have. We need to be looking to heaven constantly as Christians. And, you, you know, using our words in ways that glorify God is a way of doing that. And it sets us apart from the world. But this, this, this is, there's a danger in this because we can easily become prideful of, oh, I'm not using swear words, so I'm better than the people who do. And that's, that's just as bad as using, as like not using your words for God, right? Because you're using your words for yourself still. You're making yourself feel better. Uh, it's important to approach all people with humility and, and in our words and in our speech um, and not to become prideful of the way we speak versus the way other people speak. Excellent point. 
yeah, that is a great distinction that you made there, Thomas. Um, that, yeah, when we <laughs> only, like, improve our speech just to compare ourselves to be other, be better than others, like, that is, that just points back to ourselves. Um, and that's not the purpose of using better speech. I mean, using our words wisely and to glorify God is about reflecting the glory and love of God and not about ourselves becoming better people. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, we desire to improve our speech should be uh, to reflect the things that God has done in our lives and to be a, an example of that to those around us. Hmm. Which brings me to uh, the next point. Uh, it's a quick little passage. I'm sure if you have read uh, or are familiar with the New Testament, you've read this these verses before, but it is Matthew 5, 13 through 15. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, so, um, Justin, do you want to go ahead and read that those verses for me? I will. Let me flip over there real quick. Right. <laughs> Matthew 5, 13 to 16. I've got it right here. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Thank you. Um, so yeah, that's common, commonly used verses there in the Bible. Um, but the, that passage is called the salt and light. Um, and so he calls it, Jesus calls it to be the salt and light of the world. Um, and so, you know, as salt, we are, I think of salt, you know, as a preservative, especially back in the, the days of the uh, biblical times, you know, that's, I mean, salt provided flavor, but it also was a way to preserve meat. And that was its you know, main function then. Um, and so, you know, I think of salt as, as a preservative and as salt of the world, I think Jesus calls us to preserve God's word and make sure our hearts do not become dull and flavorless. Um, and so going off of that, I think our words are a way in which we can preserve and spread the gospel. Um, and our hearts are a barometer of our saltiness and how preservative we are of the word. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, we're called to go out and, and share the gospel and we can do that most clearly and most easily with our words, you know, mm -hmm. um, and it points the the very end of this is let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. That's the end goal. Um, so that others can recognize it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, being the light of the world, um, you know, when our hearts are transformed by the Lord's incredible grace and mercy and when we become Christians, we are not to just let that light be put to waste. Um, we are to use it to spread the goodness of God to others. You know, I think of a light that has like, uh, I don't know, just like, a little lamp or something and you put like a, a black bowl or case on top of it and then that light is pretty much like it's not even on um <laughs> so that's not how we are supposed to be light uh of the world uh, i think we're you know we're called to shine that light on the rest of the world and i think using our words to spread the word of god is a way in which we can do that i agree it's like the song says, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. <laughs> let it shine. <laughs> Great song. That it is. And then quick little verse going off of this, which is sort of related to the, the salt passage there, uh, is Colossians 4, 6. It simply says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you know how to answer everyone. Hmm. Yeah, so I thought that was just a nice little tie-in there to <clears throat> Matthew, to the Sermon on the Mount there. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think so. Mm -hmm. Good. A little cross-reference. Um, <laughs> I have one 
one note to add to this section about speech as a testimony of our faith. I didn't know exactly where to fit this in, but I thought of it as I was um, researching a little for this episode. In Mark chapter 13, verses 11 through 12, and it's a greater context around it, but it's when Jesus is talking about the tribulation at the end of times and when Christians are going to be persecuted more strongly um, this is what we're told. I mean, this is what will happen at the end of times. You know, we're going to hit a point where Christians are persecuted, where we're brought before leaders and authorities and, uh, as the Bible says, put to death, we're beaten and and put in jail and, and all sorts of terrible things. That's why it's called the tribulation. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but Jesus says here in, in the book of Mark, but when they are but when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak, but whatever is given you in that hour, speak that for it is not you who speak but the holy spirit um and I guess that's just verse eleven there, but you know in that greater context, you do see that we have a power in how we use our words as a testimony of our faith, even in the darkest of times um and we can recognize where our words come from there. And the words truly come from the Holy Spirit. That's what's going to be giving them to us in these, in these moments, um, whether we live to see that or not. And I actually think it's the same kind of thing when, you know, we're out in spreading the gospel. It's the spirit that speaks through us and allows us to speak those words to people that we're um, talking with. So I think it's important to recognize that those words come from, the spirit within us you can't see it but i'm nodding my head in agreement (laughs) (laughs) yeah the verbal nod (laughs) um i want to bring in another example that's very similar to you know how the words you know they're from the holy spirit um that come to us um and it is actually way back in the old testament in exodus uh it's in Exodus Ooh, 4. I think I know what you're going to talk about, and I like it already. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so it's Moses. After 40 years of Exodus in, uh, in the wilderness, uh, Jesus, or not Jesus, God is uh, sort of instilling or creating Moses' uh, ministry. Uh, and here, after these 40 years, uh, Moses feels like he has lost some of his eloquence and ability to lead from you know, being in the wilderness for 40 years. Um, and so in verse 10, Moses says to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Um, so here Moses is saying pretty much that he has a heavy tongue, that he lacks the confidence uh, to speak eloquently to lead his people. Um, but what does the Lord say after that? He says, who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I, the Lord? Um, and so in Moses' lack of confidence, he doubts his ability to use uh, speech and words to lead his people. Uh, but God says, you know what? <laughs> I made your mouth. I am, am, am I not the Lord? Um, which I think is just very powerful, a great comeback to what Moses said. Um, <laughs> but also, you know, just reassurance that we can trust God even we don't feel confident in our own abilities that you know our speech the words come from God come from the Holy Spirit and that we can trust that um, and use that in our own lives yeah it also it also shows that God will prepare us for anything he sends us to do right so if he sends us to go speak he will give us words to speak. If he sends us to go cook, he's going to give us the, the, the food to cook, you know? Uh, it's a little weird addition there at the end, but <laughs> he'll prepare you for the things that he sends you to do, and you rely on him, and it will his will will be done regardless of what you do. <laughs> so best agree and go with. Yeah, well said. All right. And I do want to get on to like a, an applicable uh, example of 
speech in today's world, which is social media. Uh, but before we do that, I want to emphasize one more point, and that is we should be cautious with our words. We sort of talked about a little bit um, throughout this episode, but I want to look at James chapter 1, verses 19 through 26. Um, Thomas, do you want to read that if you have it up? I do have it up. Quickly access it. All right. All right. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for anger of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the world, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the world and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and preserves being no hearer who forgets. Okay. Who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and per- and perseveres. Not preserves. Sorry about that. Perseveres. Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And then 26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person, this person, this person's religion is worthless. Yeah, Justin, I know you've said earlier how confrontational James can be sometimes, and that is this is powerful stuff <laughs> coming from him there. Um, especially verse 26, those who consider themselves religious and do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Um, so obviously that is, you know, cautionary words that we should heed. Um, and it, it shows really the seriousness that our words have, um, and how, you know, they are a sign of where our heart is at. Um, and also, you know, going back to verse 19, um, just a great, great word of advice, um, that constantly runs through my mind when I think about what I'm saying is be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. Yeah, that's spot on. And I I think I brought up some of these cross references back when we did our podcast on wisdom. Um, and we looked in Proverbs, but the book of Proverbs is, is similar to this. Um, they're both chock full of wisdom, Proverbs and James and the whole Bible. But um, those two books I seem to draw a lot of. And in Proverbs, we have several verses that point us towards the um, equality of holding your tongue and wisdom and how those two things line up. And I do want to read a few because I really like them. Um, and they're similar to what we just read. Proverbs ten nineteen. When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his, li- restrains his lips is wise. 11.12, he who despises his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding keeps silent. Um, or we go on. 17.28, even a fool when he keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is considered prudent. He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles. That's 21.23. I'll read one more. Proverbs 29.20, do you see a man who is hasty in words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. There we go. Yeah, I was, <laughs> there are so <laughs> many verses from these in Proverbs. <laughs> um, like there's hundreds of them, I think. In each chapter, there's I feel like multiple ones about our speech. Uh, and those <laughs> are just great examples that you mentioned, Justin. And uh, just the abundance of these verses in Proverbs speaks to the importance and significance of how we use our words. Um, so yeah, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't end up including any of these myself just because there's so many. Um, <laughs> there's a ton. <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad you picked a couple to, to talk about there, Justin. Um, and I recommend reading Proverbs um, just for like, I don't know, we mentioned before, just for all the wisdom that's in it and uh, specifically related to, to speech. There's a lot, lot to be yeah. Ought to be had in there. Yes. All right. So let's get to uh, a real world application I wanted to focus on. 
social media. Um, Cause that's obviously, you know, the way the world runs uh, it seems like today. And uh, it's also a big problem, a big source of frustration of complaining, um, but also, you know, a great place where we can use our words for good. Um, and so I wanted to read a passage from Ephesians 4. Um, I'm trying to, I just said, I just wrote down Ephesians 4 the entire chapter, which I'm not going to read. Uh, but, I, but I'm trying to find the verses that I wanted to to talk about um is it by um, 25 yes all right yes i'll just start at 25 therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for we are all members of one body in your anger do not sin do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So yeah, those are verses 25 through 32. Thank you, Thomas. Um, yeah, those are the verses that I wanted to read. Um, and specifically, I really like the verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen, which I think is very applicable to how we use social media in our relationship with social media. Um, yeah. Obviously, social media is a different platform because we don't face the consequences or gravity of face-to-face -face interaction that we do when we talk and use our words, you know, directly with someone in person. Um, so it's easier to, like, hide behind the screen, per se, and say whatever we want to say. Um, and then secondly, social social media platforms have algorithms that are set up to elicit our anger, frustration, and ultimately leads to uncivil discourse. Um, and so I think as Christians, we should be mindful of all of this, um, all the, all that's going on on social media so that we can guard ourselves against becoming easily angered um, so that we can remember to be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to anger, especially on social media. I fully agree. Um, social media, especially Twitter, I think is or can be a very toxic environment where people just get on and say something like, I think this is dumb. And everybody takes that so personally. Um, and usually <laughs> like it, sometimes it is very personal and sometimes it's very mean. Uh, but just making sure that, that like you use your your words either spoken or written to honor God is very important um, and I'm actually gonna take off here guys um, so have an excellent rest of the podcast but I gotta go do some stuff for RA training we will um, so <laughs> thanks, enjoy thanks for, have fun thanks for joining us thanks for having you. me <laughs> I'll catch you later guys <laughs> you too have a good one All right, and then there were two. And then there were. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. Justin, do you have anything you wanted to add on social media? Um, boy, I do have a couple things. I uh, One thing I will say, um, there's a documentary on Netflix <laughs> called The Social Dilemma. Not necessarily a um, Christian or, or biblical documentary. Mm -hmm. Um but it's still a good way to get you thinking about the power of social media kind of in the world today. I mean, the social media wasn't around when the Bible was written, obviously. And 
you know, the writers of the Bible couldn't have really foreseen it coming. <laughs> but I do wonder if, you know, if there were to be a Bible written today, what it would probably have to be included somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's a, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's kind of long, I guess, but um, it's a good one to watch. It shows kind of the behind the scenes of how these companies work and what they, certain posts and information that they give to you and feed you and how you in turn feed into that. It's, it's just good to think about. So I'll, I'll just say that, give it a watch. If yes. you haven't. It's pretty eye opening. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, these, the purpose of these social media is it's pretty much to make you stay on the app as long as you can. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, talk about the power of negative emotions. Like that's what, like it tends to be more powerful than positive emotions. Like you have like miss one question on a test, for example, you're going to be thinking about that question instead of your good grade, most likely. Um, <laughs> um, and so like social media is like this, like, I feel like they, you know, sort of doctor or like pirate that uh, principle and take it to social media to their platforms so that we can, you know, um, stay on the app as long as we can. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, just like you mentioned, being mindful of that is so important. And then, um, you know, I do think there is a time and place, you know, to speak out on social media, uh, but to do so in a way that is graceful, that is empathetic. Um, like as the verse in Ephesians mentioned, that is um, uplifting, that builds other others up and benefits those who listen. Um so ultimately, you know, be compassionate to one another and forgiving um, as Christ has forgiven us. Um, and so, you know, I think that's just, just very applicable um, to the world today. Yeah, I think it's realizing that, you know, our speech, what we put out on like social media is you can loop that into what the speech that comes out of your mouth as you're talking and apply the same principles that the Bible teaches on it, where, you know, you want to hold your tongue um, and, but you still want to be able to speak out for the things that, that really matter. And it goes back to a couple podcasts that we've done already. You know, we did one on um, submitting to government authority, the importance of submitting yourself to that, submitting yourself to God's authority moreover, but being able to stand up for, uh, you know, what, what's important when needed, being able to stand up for justice and, and whatnot and, and loving others, being able to speak out for that in a good way. And the same thing holds true for the words that we use with our tongue and the words that we type with our thumbs. Uh, you know, there's a time and place to speak out. And, you know, I use my social media a lot, especially like Twitter mm-hmm. like for sports. Like that's the only thing I use it for. Um, <laughs> and, yep. just, you know, I try to not, stay on it too long. Sometimes I don't do a good job. So, but for me, it's more a problem of not wasting my time on there because I'm not necessarily saying things that have that many consequences, but um, when I'm just tweeting about Vikings or something, you know, but, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it is important, I think, to apply the same principles that we use for our actual speech that we are to what we put out online. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I do think social media and our technology these days can be a trap that prevents us from really enjoying uh, all the, the things of the earth that God has given for given us to enjoy. Um, and so, like you said, it's, it can be a trap in terms of our time. It can yeah. be very wasteful. Um, and we could be doing so many other things that help us, you know, really enjoy what God has given us on this earth um, instead of using social media. And so that comes to my last point is that um, like really at times consider limiting fasting from or quitting social media altogether if you feel like it is in your best interest in in your walk with Christ. Um, There's really like it's nice to like stay in touch with like you mentioned sports and whatever on Twitter and I do the same thing. That's my primary use of Twitter. Um, And so you know, but beyond that, there's really no benefit we have of tweeting to people we don't know. <laughs> um, you know, my my pastor here in Chapel Hill um, reiterates multiple times that we were made to be local, to be rooted in a local community and church. And I think that, you know, 
comes with the things that we would say on social media. Um, I think we should, you know, direct it more towards the people in our lives, you know, face-to-face interaction. Um, let's not be overwhelmed by, you know, the, the futile and lack of the futile success or lack of success of trying to prove people that we don't know wrong on social media and instead be geared towards, you know, using our voices in local circles to spread God's love to one another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's definitely like, I don't think there's a need to totally quit social media. If you think that will help you go for it. Um, but also, you know, if we're just mindful of it and can limit um, and control, you know, have self-control over our use on social media uh, and also be willing to take breaks and fast from it and see how it's impacting our lives, I think are also important steps that we can take. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's that's about it for this week. Justin, do you have any closing statements you want to make? Yeah, I do have one um, and I brought this up on a couple of other podcasts because I think it's such a great illustration and it really works for, for this topic. Um, it's again, when during Jesus's trial before his crucifixion and resurrection, uh, if ever there was a time I would think to speak as much as you would want to, to defend yourself, that would be the time when you're set to be crucified unjustly and wrongly. And I mean, terribly unjustly, right? Because we know he didn't deserve it at all. When you read the Bible, you get a sense of that. That's what you understand, but he was crucified anyways. And throughout this trial, when Jesus is delivered to Pilate uh, and he is judged by, judged by Pilate, um, <laughs> judged by everyone, and he says like nothing the whole time. He holds his tongue. That's what he chooses to do. Uh, they, they ask him, I think the, the one thing that he really says is they ask him straightforward, are you the king of the Jews, as you say? And Jesus says, it is as you say, or whatever his exact words are. Or he essentially says, yes, I am. And that's pretty much about it. And that's what they crucify him on. Um, but he could have very easily, I mean, he is God. He could have very easily spoken up and with one word ended it. Mm-hmm but he chose not to. And I think for him, it's definitely different than from what we experience because for him, it's recognizing that there is something so, so much greater at work. And for him having the humility to lay his life down for what he's about to go through, recognizing that, recognizing that there is a greater story of, you know, his death, his crucifixion, his resurrection, that will ultimately result in redemption for all of us that's not the consequences we have to deal with on a daily basis, not even close. But I think it points to, if he's able to hold his tongue under those circumstances, then who are we to complain, to speak ill of others in our own circumstances? Even when Judas betrays Jesus, he doesn't speak ill of him. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, he, he chooses to, Peter lashes out and cuts off the Roman guard's ear. Jesus puts it back on. You know, he knows what's coming. He humbles himself and takes it. And for us, he does that. Um, So I think it's looking to that as the ultimate example of someone holding their tongue and knowing the value that words can have. He doesn't use them. Yeah, that is, yeah, that's just great. Great stuff there. I, I really cannot think of a better example to close on than that. Um, you know, that's really the ultimate example of using our words wisely and with purpose, uh, being well thought out in everything that we say. Um, obviously, like <laughs> the consequences that we face um, aren't as important in the moment, you know, as <laughs> what Jesus did for, you know, humanity there, but uh, it just sets such a great example yeah because i mean it's it's one of my favorite things in the whole bible that point um when he jesus in this trial says nothing you know you Mm -hmm. can imagine the sorrow and the pain that he's feeling because he knows what's about to happen he knows very well what's Mm -hmm. about to happen um and he takes it yeah 
that's just yeah it's so powerful and such a great such a great example to learn from um that's just one of the most crucial moments in history right there um jesus could have said anything to stop it um but he knew what purpose he had and he knew how to use his words um on that path to saving humanity right there um yeah yeah that's very special right there um so with that i'm going to go ahead and pray us out um dear god thank you for another opportunity to record a podcast with uh, my brother and cousin um and learn more about you god may we be uh, more mindful of how we use our speech how we use our words in our own lives and how you know our tongue is uh how it how our tongue reveals you know where our heart is how our heart is transformed by you god and in being more mindful of that may we jump on opportunities to uh use our words compassionately and wisely may we be slow to speak um quick to listen and slow to anger god and may we look to you and the example you've set through your son christ um, as the most ultimate example for us to do that in our own lives. Uh, thank you. And in your name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, Justin and Thomas, if you end up listening to the end of this, <laughs> thank you for this episode. Um, I enjoyed talking about this topic. So did um, I. I think this is an overlooked topic, but a very good one. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Um, so if you haven't already guys, uh, listeners, feel free to like, subscribe, and share our podcast. Um, our email, if you want to reach out to us, is the number three, and then in the fire at gmail.com. And then our Instagram is at in the fire podcast. Yes, it is. Yes, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening. We hope you guys have a great week ahead. Um, yeah. So long. All right. We'll see you.